and of anxiety and of worry and, and something that's really difficult for them to explain or put words to a season that's unparalleled in their life and sharing about how the last several months, how difficult they'd been, but really, particularly the last month, four to five weeks, how much they had spiraled even to the point of returning to some previous suicidal thoughts in their life and tendencies and just how dark, how narrow, how isolated they had become so quickly and so fast. But in our conversation the week before, just recognizing they're here, wanting to know what's been going on, what's happening in their life and hearing from them and them just opening up led to another conversation. I'm driving by this week and just saying, I, I, I knew when I, when I saw someone else here in the community, when I left them, I knew I needed to come to the church and I wanted to, I wanted to come share with one of you and share more and just ask you to be praying. And so as a staff, we got to pray for this person this week. They came in and shared more with us and we got to lay hands on them and pray for them. And you know, this person said, from midway through your prayers this week, I've gone back to the place where I had been before that dark place. Midway through your prayers, I felt something different change, something that she, this person's still pursuing all the right things to do, counseling and help from a doctor and a professional, but they said midway through your prayers in the office this week, it changed, it lifted, it started to break. And I have motivation again to get up out of bed. I have motivation to get up and spend time in God's word again. I'm hungry for God's word and I'm hungry for church and I wanna grow and I wanna get so far past this season. And I praise God for his breakthrough in this person's life. And yet they said, it's because of the church, and I want to get to church. I've missed being at church. I'm so grateful I stopped today to get prayer from you and prayer from the church. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we, their church family, we praise you and we worship you for breaking that darkness and pushing back the darkness and bringing light back in to their soul and to their spirit, to their countenance. Father, we thank you for victory in their life this week and we're grateful to be their church and we're grateful that that's our story together. That this week in at least one life, a big difference was made this week. We worship you and we open our hearts this morning to your word and God, we pray each one of us, I pray for each person in this room that, God, you would help us know you more intimately and more passionately this morning. That, God, you'd open your word and your perspective and that, God, you would move darkness away from us. You would change and renew our minds with your word like scripture says. And you'd move us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna take this morning to share with you about the church. And I wanted to share that story with you as a praise and a testimony and a worship to our God and share with our family that story because I also want you to be encouraged. And I want to share about the church this morning. So I want to give you some context. I want to start in 
some scripture, with some scriptures and some verses this morning before I make some points about the church and about you and the church. I want to start by sharing that Greek word for church that's in scripture is it appears in scripture in the New Testament 107 times. You're a little bit ahead of me. It appears in scripture 107 times. And you can guess who was the first person to use that word church in scripture. Who do you think that was? Isn't the answer always, where's the kids in children's church? Isn't the correct answer always? I expected you to be a little quicker and a little louder than that. Jesus introduces that word ecclesia. The word ecclesia is broken down into two roots, ecclesia. Ek means to gather and to assemble. Jesus is using this new word of gathering and assembling, yet at the same time, it means called out. Gathered and assembled and called out. So ecclesia means an assembly or a congregation gathered together to be called out. It's used in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, where it says, Barnabas and Saul met with the church, met with the ecclesia, with the gathered and the called ones in Antioch. And there they were first called Christians. Jesus, when he uses this word, it's in Matthew all the way deep into chapter 16 of the book of Matthew where we first see this word ecclesia. And Jesus is gathered with his disciples and he, kind of like some of the kids returning to school, Jesus pulls a pop quiz on them. He has this wonderment question based on some of their thoughts and conversations that they've been having, Jesus asks them the question, who do they say that I am? And with some mumbling and some grumbling, and some begin to answer perhaps John the Baptist, almost like a guess. Is that right, Jesus? And others say Elijah. Or maybe Jeremiah, or another prophet. And Jesus narrows in and he focuses on somebody, maybe the student in the front desk, in the front corner. And he says, he says to Peter, who do you say I am? So he's got this pop quiz going, he's focused in on one person, and thankfully the Holy Spirit gives Peter discernment, And wisdom, and Peter answers, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus is about to use this word for the first time. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my ecclesia. I will build and assemble, gather together my people who are called my church. And listen to this. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church. I took a moment this week to jot down a bit of a timeline 
of my life and the impact of the church upon my life that I want to share with you this morning. When I was a young child, we attended church occasionally. It's not that the church was completely foreign to me, but it was something that we visited and we attended occasionally. It wasn't something that we were committed to. We didn't even have a, per- I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and I don't believe my, anyone in my family did either. My grandmother did. But in our home, we didn't live committed to Jesus Christ and his teachings and his principles and his life change. There wasn't life change in us because we didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. We weren't following Jesus. I actually began my personal relationship with Jesus Christ in children's church. Some of you know that story where in my broken home and in the brokenness of my parents' divorce, my Sunday school teacher took a time out from the lesson and shared the loving, merciful gospel of Jesus Christ with my younger brother and I, and I remember the moment of praying and asking Jesus Christ into my life, and I remember a loneliness that's never returned because of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And and I was, a few years later, I was water baptized, and I was initially, as a child, discipled in children's church and in Sunday school and in vacation Bible school and youth camp to Camp Bighorn and Plains, Montana and involved in youth group and where I learned and I heard the word of God. And even as a young person, I attended church with my dad and uh, my dad was a, a single dad and working at 5.30 in the morning and going and going and hauling us kids here and there and in every direction. But commonly on Sundays, my, sitting next to my dad, my dad would be falling asleep during the message and during the sermon. And yet I was hungry for what was being said at the front. And I was eagerly desiring and wanting to taste and experience what they were saying and what they were talking about. And I could see the stark contrast of what they were sharing and what my life was like. And at moments, I have to confess, I wondered if I could do that. I wondered if I could share like that. If I could get excited about God's word and his truth and what he had done in my life, if I might be able to share like that. High school rodeo gave me opportunities to lead prayer behind the buck and shoots. I mean, what cowboy, what young kid cowboy getting on the back of a bucking bull or a bucking horse doesn't want to pray? (laughs) I found opportunity before the bareback riding, before the saddle bronc riding, before the bull riding. I say to God, who wants to power up? You want to stand there and watch the calf roping? Really? How about you get over here and power up? Let's pray together. And that led to opportunities of starting cowboy church service Sunday mornings at our high school rodeos because I didn't want to not be with the church. It was, church was important to me and I didn't want to miss being with the church and those opportunities expanded in college and not every weekend was someone willing to share or to preach or to talk about God at cowboy church and More often than not, 
I was the one that was willing and left to talk and to share about God and what he was doing in my life or what he had done in the scriptures, which led to opportunities to disciple even my own teammates, but teammates from other schools and from other sports and from other teams. I remember being a freshman at the University of Montana, gathering with just three of us in the, the time the Harry Adams Fieldhouse up in the stands in the bleachers, three of us, two of us were seniors and one of us was a freshman. And I thought, when those two senior football players graduate at the end of this year, this group's down to one. And I began inviting and gathering, and that grew to an on-campus, once-a-week athlete's church service, if you will. And when I left there, there were 65 athletes from across the sports gathering once a week, and some of them a couple of times a week for accountability, for discipleship, to grow, and to take their relationship with Jesus Christ seriously, even in small groups. I grew up in Christ, and I was discipled by several couples right here in this church during that time. Couples and families that I'm so grateful they were in my life because of the church. Because of the church of Jesus Christ. I had opportunity in church to serve youth group and to lead small groups and to be part of ministry teams and do things I'd never done before and to attend events like it's happening this Saturday, like attend gatherings like it's happening this Saturday and hear from someone so wise and so experienced as Mark Spencer. And I didn't care where we were in the state when we finished a rodeo. If I could get back here for that, I was going to try to get back here. And thankfully, our pastor at the time, Pastor Brian, was very grateful enough to fill my tank with gas so I could get back to Missoula each time I would come home. But that was his commitment to me. It was also a commitment of families and of friends because of church in my life. For Rebecca and her family, who were a military family who traveled from base to base and place to place, the church was the consistent familiarity of family. It was the only family that they had from place to place. And as soon as they arrived and they would sort out and find those families, those church families, than the new place they were settled they could do because they had spiritual family. Rebecca met me at church. Two years later, I met Rebecca at a ministry event because of church. That's a whole other story. I proposed to Rebecca with our two church families involved. We did our premarital counseling with the church with our two church families. We canceled with Brian and Margaret here, and Rebecca and her family attended Helena Alliance, and we did premarital counseling with her pastor, with Pastor Jim Stumbo as well. And the church shaped our marriage before it even began. We married each other in front of the church at Hill and Women's Park downtown, and there 
where Farmer's Market is, I pledged to her above every other woman I've ever met or above every other woman I'll ever meet, I will and I want to love you the way Christ loves the church. But it's because of church. Each of our four kids have grown up and only as they've grown up, only second to our own home, they've grown up in the church. They've made personal decisions on their own that they want to accept Jesus Christ's forgiveness of their sin. That they want to grow in their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They want to be a part of children's church. They want to serve in children's church. They want to grow and develop with you in relationship with Jesus Christ, in relationship with you. And three of them have been water baptized here with you. With the church, I've been to 18 foreign countries across the globe, serving, learning, growing, encouraging, strengthening, and preaching just because of the church. Because of Jesus' church that he says, I'm building and the gates of hell will not prevail. For coming on 20 years this spring, you've supported my family and I to do the same here for you at Mount Helena Community Church. To serve and learn and grow and make mistakes, to encourage, to listen, to strengthen, to preach, to share. My wife's been serving here with me since her day one. My kids have been serving and loving here since they were qualified and needed, <laughs> including this morning. <laughs> I give most of the credit to my incredible wife who's been an incredible example and a servant leader in our home, but I also have to give credit to you. To you, because our kids have grown up here with you. They're not perfect. <laughs> but even when I've shared something with them that they think so wrong, so ridiculous, so out of this world, how could dad be right? One of you are often there to say the same thing. But I, when I'm not the expert, one of you can be. And you can reinforce the truths of God, the realities of God, the passion, the interest, the love, the care, the mercy, the forgiveness, the grace, the understanding of Jesus Christ when I'm not the expert. The most valuable and meaningful parts of my life are because of ecclesia, because of the gathered, because of the assembled, because of those that know they're called, that know they're called, that know I'm called, that know we're called, that know you're called, and that you're wanted. How's that happened? It's not because I'm a pastor. 37 years ago, I was eight years old when I came into the church with a relationship with Jesus Christ, when a neighbor saw the heartache that my family was going through 
and like a search and rescue member. She sought out our family and brought us in to church. It's been because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ for some time now, I've been a part of his church. I hope for many of you in this room, me sharing my stories has triggered some of your own stories and your own memories of the church and your life, the role of the church, and because of the church in your life. What I want to do next is I want to share something out of Proverbs 31 about the church. For some of you who've been around for a while, you may be looking at me like the church in Proverbs 31. Bear with me. You can turn there. I encourage you to. Proverbs 31. Many of you know Proverbs 31 is about, the, a large portion of Proverbs 31 is about the virtuous woman. It's characteristics or qualities of a virtuous person, particularly a woman. And all the men in the room who've read Proverbs 31 are grateful it's about the woman because then the men don't have to live up to it, right? No. I want to expand that today. Jesus calls his church, he calls Ecclesia his bride. And Jesus sees his bride in a certain way, in a certain light. And how many of you know, heads up, Jesus is the correct answer. How many of you know who the main character of the Bible is? Oh, you're so good. You're good at this. Jen asked the staff that question in devotions one day, and all of us just gave the blank stares. We're hiring at Mount Helena because we need someone from Children's Church who always has Jesus as the right answer. Just kidding. But Jesus is the main character. And wherever you're looking in Scripture, there's a reflection on Jesus and his church. It's what the Scriptures are about. There's different stories and contexts, different approaches, different motivations, different main angles. But the main point is that Jesus Christ came and he's building his church and he's going to come again for a beautiful bride that he sees as virtuous, as having a character like this. Now, Proverbs 31, a couple of other things about it, is an acrostic poem. It's a poem that the writer writes using the 22 letters of the alphabet, of the Hebrew alphabet, and he takes each letter and writes this poem about these virtues. So if I were doing that for my wife, Rebecca, in an ABC fashion, I won't do the whole alphabet, I would say Rebecca's adorable and Rebecca's brave and Rebecca's Christ-like. And I couldn't stop at those words. I'd have to expand for each one of those letters. That's what this writer is doing, and we don't see that there. And in a way, he's also writing and foretelling about you and I, and about the church, and what Jesus is building in the church. Let's turn Proverbs 31, verse 10. Are you with me? 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read some of these verses and let you catch on with me. But through these scriptures, I'm going to replace in some of these other slides, you're going to see I'm going to replace when he's talking about she or the woman, the virtuous wife or bride, I'm going to insert church. And the husband it's referring to is, you're getting it. You're getting it. Proverbs 31.10, I'm going to use the passion version for this exercise, okay? The passion translation says this. Who could ever find a wife like this one? She's a woman of strength and mighty valor. It has an exclamation mark after it, so I figure I should... Yeah, keep it in its original version. She's full of wealth and wisdom. The price paid for her was greater than many jewels. All right, so look at my translation. Proverbs 31.10. Who could ever find a church like this one? Christ's church is full of strength and mighty valor. Wow. As I'm reading this, I want to know, does this do anything for you? Do you connect with this? What's your response to this, or does this bore you? The church is full of wealth and wisdom. The price paid for the church was greater than many jewels. Proverbs 31, 11, and 12 says, Her husband has entrusted his heart to her. Jesus Christ has entrusted his heart to the church. Proverbs 31, 13, the church searches out continually to possess that which is pure and righteous. The church delights in the work of her hands. Do we delight in the work of our hands? Do we have an attitude and a heart of delight? for what we are doing and what Christ has called us to. His bride. Proverbs 31, 14 continues, the church gives out revelation truth to feed others. Come on now. The church is like a trading ship bringing divine supplies from the merchant. That's Jesus who makes trades for you and I, who makes trades for us. Verse 18, the church tastes and experiences a better substance than everyone else. And the church's shining light will not be extinguished, no matter how dark the night. That's why I picked that version. That's pretty good. No matter how dark the night, the church's shining light will not be extinguished. Verses 19 through 20, she stretches out her hands to help the needy. The church is known by her extravagant generosity to the poor, for she always reaches out her hands to those in need. That's Jesus' church. That's his bride. That's us. That's Mount Helena Community Church that Jesus has called, has gathered, has assembled, and he's coming back for. Verses 21, she's not afraid of tribulation, for all her household is covered in dual garments. Here's what they are, of righteousness and grace. 
righteousness and grace feels good to be up next to. Verse 23, her husband, Jesus, is famous and admired by all. 24, even her works of righteousness, the church does for the benefit of her enemies. Mm, Let that one sink in for a moment. I'll reread it. Even the church's works of righteousness, they do for the benefit of our enemies. That's a mission. Hmm. That's the church Jesus calls his bride that he's coming back for. 29 through 30. This is edited. You'll see what I have done here. It says, there are many valiant and noble ones, but you have ascended above them all. He's saying that of the church. I should reread that. That had an exclamation mark after it. There are many valiant and noble ones, but you, church, have ascended above them all. He's saying, but you are more important to me than them all. The church, right, is more important. But the church, the bride of Christ, lives in the wonder, awe, and fear of the Lord. She will be praised throughout eternity. That's an exercise. What about that? Did what I read connect with you? Did you have some sort of response in you? It's probably because you recognize you're part of the bride of Christ. You probably recognize that you're a part of the church. And that response, that leap in you, is supposed to be telling you, you can't just go to church. You are the church. You can't attend church. You can't just watch church. You have to be a part you're called. You have to gather. You have to assemble for the calling because you're a part of the church. You're being built. Jesus said, I will build my church and you have a response because he wants to keep building you. If it doesn't connect with you, I want to ask you and every other person in this room, what's missing in your life? If that didn't connect with you, I want to ask you and every other person in this room, I'm asking myself, what's missing in my life? It may be the church. Maybe you are missing the church and maybe the church is missing you. Because the church isn't this building. It's an assembly of called people. We are the church and Jesus is building his church and you are wanted You're meant to be a part of Jesus building his church. The first time Jesus said, church, I'm building my church, he didn't say this. And they will care for widows and orphans. He didn't say that. I'm building my church and they will care for widows and orphans, though that's what he did come for, didn't he? He didn't say... And I will give them peace. I'm building my church and I will give them peace. But he did come for that, didn't he? 
I'm building my church, he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's saying something. What's he saying? In other words, the first time Jesus uses the word church or ecclesia, he's indicating we are in a war. And the gates of hell will not prevail. He's telling us something. Hello. He's not talking about peace. He's talking about war. He's not talking about some of the other missions. He's talking about the big picture. You and I, the church, believers, followers of Jesus Christ, and those who are not are in a war. But the church, the gates of hell will not prevail against. You know, <laughs> uh, I think of dudes, I talked to Luke Young about this earlier this week. Sometimes as dudes, we can be, we can have really weird affectionate greetings towards one another. Uh-huh, uh-huh, right. Hitting, punching, slapping, kicking, headlocks, all those could be affectionate greetings for, hey man, what's up, bro? But every once in a while, it's just not right. And it's more ratched up than you think, than you once thought. And you realize, oh, that wasn't, hey, bro, we're in a battle. In the houses I lived in, it resulted in broken recliners, <laughs> broken tables, lamps, right? All sorts of broken things. But then you realize in a moment, oh, I'm in a battle, and Jesus is saying that. He's saying, I'm building my church. This is the virtuous bride I'm coming back for. You're in a war. I want to encourage you to engage in that war as we finish, as we close this morning. Engage. Realize that you're in it. Don't back away. Figure out how do I engage? What's missing in my life in terms of engagement? It can be any number of things. I want to encourage you today to engage in a small group, engage in a community. Don't just be okay with attending or coming or watching church. Be a part of church. Being a part of church happens when you gather with a group of people who know that they're called. They have a purpose upon their life. They want to encourage each other in it. They want to help grow each other. And they want to help stand for the life and the mission, the calling of Jesus Christ in their families, in their life, in their church community, in their home. They want to help us become that bride that Jesus talks about. I want to tell you as we wrap up that you are wanted. No matter how you feel, no matter what your hurts are, I'm sorry that we do get hurt. The church that Jesus is coming back for is not going to be made of angels. It's still made of humans that he created, and we're imperfect. We hurt one another. But I want to encourage you this morning, re-engage. If you've been hurt, it's not worth your decision to stay disengaged. You have to re-engage in whatever that looks like. Where are you not engaged? Why are you not engaged? What's missing in your life? I'm asking myself, those same questions. To use one of JR's repeated lines, we're not consumers, we're made to be contributors. We're to be contributing 
So we have to engage or we have to re-engage or we have to keep and stay engaged to be contributors. We're tempted to slip back and watch, to disengage, but we have to stay engaged. Father, I thank you so much for Mount Helena Community Church. I thank you so much for the church being in my life. Thank you that you didn't just call us to follow you and leave us stranded and alone, but you call us to be a part of community and a part of belonging, a part of mission and calling. And you say, get assembled, get gathered, get on mission with me. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would lead us into even a new season as Mount Helena Community Church. Help us reach new heights and new depths like you described there for us today. Help us reach a new place in small groups, a new place of worship and engagement on Sundays, a new place in prayer, a new place in giving. All the areas that may be missing in my personal life, God, I pray that you would bring us into alignment in Jesus' name. We want to be the church that you've called us to be, that you're coming back for, but that's going to be like a search and rescue team that's on mission in our community to reach the lost, to share your gospel with them, that they'd have relationship with you in Jesus' name. Amen.